Let us pray together. Lord, preach through me by the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of transformation, for the glory of God, in the name of Jesus, I do pray. Amen. How good it is to be once again in the house of the Lord. I am certainly glad to be here. I'm thankful to be in Andalusia. I've always wanted to come here. I uh, hope to get here uh, for a retreat and uh, never did uh, make this trip, but I received an invitation for your one, from your wonderful pastor, uh, Pastor Nathan Daniels. Uh, he is a friend and a brother beloved, and I'm certainly thankful, thankful for he and his wife and his family. I am thankful for you for receiving me. Uh, I'm just uh, delighted. I'm grateful for my precious wife, Miss Carla, uh, for traveling with me. And I just want to thank you for the arrangements made, uh, the lodging, and uh, just this wonderful experience over this last uh, day or so. Uh, so thank you so much, and I'm just certainly blessed to be here. Our brother Danny and the Mount Gilead Quartet, we are certainly thankful for you. We were truly blessed uh, through worship, through music, and uh, we're certainly grateful for them. And to all of the officers of this church, members, those who are visiting, it is so good to see you uh, all. Pastor uh, Daniels asked me to come down and preach a sermon on the fall of humanity. And I want to be obedient uh, to his wishes. But I also want to let you know, uh, you know, I really, really love God. And every now and then something happens to me when I get in the pulpit and I preach. Simply put, I get happy. I get happy because God is so good to me. And so I preach as though I may never get an opportunity to preach because I do know that worship will continue uh, once the Lord returns. But I know that preaching will cease because we will move from faith to sight and there will be no need for proclamation. But I am just grateful for every opportunity to stand and proclaim the word of Almighty God. I won't be long unless I get happy. I might preach 40 minutes if I get happy. If I get somewhat happy, maybe 30 minutes. If you say amen, uh, the Lord will move in this place. I, I, I feel right at home, and I, I'll be honest, that's the way I feel, because if I weren't here, I would be at New Jerusalem, and I bring you greetings from New Jerusalem. That's where I would be preaching this morning, and whenever I'm not preaching, then my wife becomes the audience of uh, four. Because I know that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are already there. And then she joins in, and she has to get a sermonette from me. So uh, she's been spared this morning, and uh, here we are. You will get the sermon this morning. From uh, the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. I want to begin reading at verse 6. I'm reading from the King James Version. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 6, from the King James Version. Hear ye the word of the Lord. And when the woman saw... 
that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Well, I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat. The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to me, with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The already blessed word of the Lord. This morning, I want to talk about hiding from the Holy God. Hiding from the Holy God. Many of the songs and hymns I truly love. Oftentimes, I love to hear the choir sing. And I like to experience these songs through sharing with the congregation. But some of the songs that we sing every now and then can get it just a little bit backward. I came to Jesus as I was, weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, for he has made me glad. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. The voice I hear falling upon my ear the Son of God discloses. I kept on searching. I kept on searching. I kept on searching till I found him. And when I found him, he changed my feet so I could walk right. He changed my heart so I could live right. He changed my tongue so I could talk right. He changed my mind so I can think right. Yes, yes, I found the King of Kings. But in reality... We really didn't find God. God found us. Because God, apart from us, his address is really hidden from us. Who can find God? There's no road map that can lead you to God. There's no GPS that can tell you where God resides. And it is until God says, here I am, then we really can't get in touch with God. It is through God's self-revelation that God always, always makes first contact with us, because except God says, here I am, 
then we cannot get in touch with God. Matter of fact, he gets all the credit and he gets all the glory and he really leaves none for us. We just have to glorify him for all of his marvelous works. It is God who created, who made everything. And I believe that on last week, you all heard the sermon on creation. It's the Lord who begins with a chaotic situation. That's really how the Bible starts. So when we have trouble, it is never a surprise to God because nothing can ever sneak up on God because God knows everything. And therefore, what we do uh, in the Bible, what we have is chaos from the very beginning. In the beginning, the world, the earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep, which really says that God really starts working in the very beginning. The Bible also lets us know when it says in the beginning, God says in the beginning, Yahweh, which means that there are no other gods except God. There's no one else except Yahweh. All other gods beyond God would be created gods made, as David says in Psalm 115, by the hands of humanity. And so we uh, experience the creation motif. God lets us know he's God because nobody can do what God did. Nobody can take nothing and make something and take something to make everything. No one else can t- take nobody and make somebody and then take somebody and make everybody. No one else can speak to creation and every time God spoke, something got up and did something. Old preacher said that God stepped out from nowhere, stood on nothing, reached into nowhere, caught something, and hung something on nothing and it stayed there and it's still there because he's that kind of God. God said, let there be light. And light came running from behind the purple curtain of eternity at more than 186,000 miles per second. I read a sound and covered more ground in darkness. And light looked over his shoulder and said, I don't mean any harm, but God said, let me be. God hit the hammer of his own omnipotence with the anvil of his own hands, caught the sparks thereof and put them out into space and called them sparks. Who can do what God did? And God created all things as what the Bible tells us. And in chapter 1, verse 31, God says, not only is it good, but it is very good. God is pleased with his creation. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you will find 10 times the Bible says, and God said, and God said, it is 10 times in Genesis 1, and God says, which lays out Uh, the format for the coming of the Torah, uh, the Ten Commandments. Difference is that every time God spoke to creation, creation did exactly what God told it to do. Now God has to deal with humanity. It is the blessings of God. It is coming to the house of the Lord and experience the blessings of God. And after God created everything, the Bible says in chapter 2 and verse 3, God rested. Was God tired? I don't think so. All God had to do was sit on his throne and speak, and every time he spoke, something moved. It really means that God ceased from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which really means to cease. God ceased from his work and enjoyed his creation. Matter of fact, it was so beautiful that God enjoyed it. And in Job chapter 38, he asked Job, where were you when the morning stars sang together? The angels had to celebrate the power and the majesty of God Almighty. Creation is there. Creation is laid out. God has made everything. And now he takes man and he makes man in his own image. Uh, As far as Genesis tells us, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, 
and verse 28, verse 27. He made them in his own image. And then in verse 28, he gave humanity a command. Adam, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to have dominion. God gives Adam dominion, gives him, he and Eve, uh, the command to be fruitful and to multiply. It is God's original plan for humanity. Land, seed, and dominion. God has placed them in the garden. They have the land. God has given them dominion. They have not yet started having babies. And God gives the benediction in chapter 2, verse 3. And after God gives the benediction in chapter 3, verse 1, the devil starts talking. And I don't understand this. It's almost like the devil wants to speak after God has spoken. It is to challenge the very authority of God. The very holiness of God, because there is a command. Chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, he says to Adam now, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, which means you can eat until your heart is satisfied. But there is one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat of that tree. And the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely, without a doubt, die. God has given him dominion, but God has given him a command because God wants him to know that there's still distance between humanity and divinity. Although he's made in the image of God, the Imago Dei, there's still distance between humanity and divinity. Although he has dominion in the garden, but God is still God. And God says, I'm going to place this tree there and I'm going to give you a command. And if you want to have dominion, you must express spiritual dominion by being obedient to my command. Now, who are you going to trust, Adam? Are you going to trust me because I put you over everything else and everything else will do what you tell it to do? Now we're going to see what something else tells you what to do. Chapter 3, verse 1. Here comes the serpent. Here comes Satan. He's going to challenge the word, the holiness, and the authority of God. He's doing the same thing today. He is doing the same thing today. And even though he's challenging the word of God, we still have some Christians don't know where they stand. I want to tell you, I started with God, and I plan on finishing with God. And it doesn't matter what the world says that is right and wrong in their own eyes. I do know that God made everything, and God made everybody. And God was here long before humanity because he made and created us all. And humanity cannot deny the holiness of God. So regardless of what I'm told to do, I know that sin reigns now. But I understand that God has power and God is sovereign and God is the alpha and the omega of our own existence. Well, here it is, the creature talking to the created beings of God. Did God really say in the day that you eat of that tree, you should surely die? He's conversing with Eve and she starts reciting, but she's not accurate which lets us know that we need to know the word of God, not halfway know it, not misquote it, because the devil knows the word of God, and he's just waiting to misquote it. That's why you have heretics. That's why you have heresy. That's why you have so many ministers that's misleading people because they're adding things in and leaving things out, and the people of God don't know the difference. You've got to commune with God. You've got to love God. Oh, taste and see. That the Lord, he is good. You should not surely die. He says, no, he says we shouldn't eat of it. 
We shouldn't even touch it. That's not what God said. He said you should eat it. But we may eat from every tree. God says, no, you may freely eat until you're satisfied. And then the Bible says, after they've converted from verses 1 through verse, from verse 1 to verse 5 and verse 6, she finally gives in. And the Bible says she looked at this fruit and she saw that it was pleasant in the eye and it was good to eat. And it was a tree that was desirable for one to gain uh, knowledge or wisdom or become wise. And she ate. And the Bible says, and then she gave to her husband, and he did eat. Mm. But God said, you shall surely die. And once he ate from the tree, and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible says in verse 7 that their eyes were open. In other words, their understanding of good and evil were open. Now, God was not good enough. That's the challenge of the devil. God is good. And then we say all the time, all the time, God is good. But yet we're longing for more. He's good. But for some people, he's not good enough. Why not be satisfied with everything that God has provided for you? Matter of fact, he's, he has you in a state of innocence. You're naked and don't even know it. You don't need a Walmart anywhere around. You don't have to go shopping. You don't have a power bill. You're naked, and you don't even need to adjust the thermostat. You don't have to pay a power bill, electric bill, or gas bill. Everything's fine. God has given you everything you could possibly want. And the devil comes in because what he really wants to do is dethrone the crowning point of God's creation. It is the Lord who loves you, and he desires to keep you. But it's the devil who desires to destroy you, for the thief has come to kill, still and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And now the very good from chapter uh, 1, verse 31 becomes very bad in chapter 3. Because they have disobeyed God. And now the devil has exercised dominion over them. And there comes, will come an eviction notice. What do you do? When the Bible says that when their eyes were open, they went and found a fig tree. And they took fig leaves and they covered themselves with the fig leaves as though God would not know what they have done. And the problem is that they've tried to cover up what they've done. But you can't cover up what you do because God has a way of knocking on your door to let you know, I know what you've done. And God is gracious enough to give us an opportunity to repent. Yet, they sow fig leaves together, but the fig leaves will not suffice. And God says, I'm going to leave you right there, and I'm going to let you uh, sow your fig leaves together, and I'm going to let you try and hide yourself from me. And then in verse 8, the Bible says, And the voice of the Lord came walking through the garden in the cool of the day. God says, Now, let me come through and inspect what you've done, because I've got to call you out of your hiding place. Out of all of your existence, you've never had to hide from me. I commune with you, and you've enjoyed our communing together. And now you're hiding from me, the voice of God. And now they are afraid, and they're hiding from God. Well, one thing about it in life, you can't cover up what you've done. You've got to let God cover you over. It is God who will take your sins and cast them as far as the east is 
from the west and disconnect your navigation system. It is God who will take your sins and cast them into the depths of the sea and revoke everybody's fishing license. It is God who will take your sins and cast them behind his back. And since we really can't anthropomorphize God, which really means make him a human, then God is really casting your sins into nowhere and won't let anybody find them. You can't cover up your sins. You've got to let God cover your sins over. So what God will eventually do in verse 21, he will make them coasts of skins. But for right now, they're trying to cover up. And God comes and he asks the question, verse 9, Adam, where are you? He knows where Adam is. God tends to ask questions when he already knows the answer. And I'm always concerned when God asks questions. Because I know he already knows and he's just waiting to see what I'm going to say. I've got to sit down and think about what I'm going to say because I must be honest with God because God already knows. There's no question that God can ask me that God doesn't already know. Mm. Moses, what do you have in your hand? Well, he knows that Moses has a staff in his hand. Ask Jacob, what is your name? He knows that his name is Jacob. It is Joseph. Who are you looking for? He knows that he's looking for his brothers. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Ezekiel says, I don't know. But you know it ain't Malachi. Will a man rob God? And God already knows what's taking place every Sunday morning. That's the Sunday morning stick up. It's just something about God who knows everything before he asks anything. Where are you, Adam? Sometimes he asks us. Where are we? It's possible to be in the church. And yet, God has to ask, where are you? God really wants us to step forward and to confess our sins. By one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death passed upon all men, for all have sinned, Romans 5 and 12, that's what Paul says, which really makes us all guilty. All we like sheep have gone astray. There is none righteous, no not. One, where are you hiding from the holy God? The mercy of God is really walking in the garden. It is God who is seeking to help Adam and Eve. It is God who will not leave us to ourselves. It is God who keeps showing up and keep on keeping us. It is God who loves us even when we're not lovable. That's why I love him so. I don't always get it right. Therefore, I have to say, may not be what I ought to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. I may not be what I used to be, but I also want to add to that God is not through with me yet. But when God gets through with me, I shall come forth. I've heard some people say like pure gold and gold is already pure. The goodness of God. Where are you, Adam? I want you to come forth. But Adam is in a hiding place. How do you hide from your help? Some people have to hide from the help. I've been sick in my body. And uh, I've had to go in for medical care. How would it? break my heart if I went into emergency room and the doctor or the physician looked at me and said, I'm ashamed of you because you're sick. 
Doc, I'm here because I'm sick. I need a doctor. Can you fix me up? Give me a prescription. I'll go to CVS and I'll fill it. You won't even have to ask the question, uh, is there no bomb in Gilead? You write the prescription and I'll fill it. Would it be you uh, go and you retain an attorney? An attorney says, I'm ashamed of you. You're in trouble. Hmm. And Adam and Eve are in trouble. And God comes to them to say, I'm still your God. We must have church. Hmm. Help me, Holy Ghost. We must have church that is truly the spiritual hospital, not the covering. Not that I have to come in and act like I get it right all the time. I think I preach the way I do, feel the way I do, get happy the way I do. I don't always get it right. And God keeps on blessing me. I don't always think right. God keeps on blessing me. Sometimes I'm riding in my car. That's when I'm at my very worst, when someone cuts me off. And I'm driving by myself, and I want to say something. Oh, God, I really want to say something, but I do understand, although Sister Cavett is not in the car with me, God is riding with me, and I better zip my lip up. And God is still working on me, and yet he still loves me because I don't always get it right. And the church must provide the God of redemption. Something happens and someone does something because we're now in a place, and I'll be closing in just a moment. But we really can't help ourselves. Have you ever done something and wondered, why did I do that? Have you ever said something and said, why in the world did I say that? Have you been caught up in the heat of the moment and don't even know how you ended up where you were? The devil. Have you ever started your day and it started off a bad day? The devil. Have you ever started your day and it started off a good day? And all you had to do is bump it to one person who turned it into a bad day. So much so Paul says, when I would do good, evil is always with me. The church, the people of God, the ecclesia, who serves the God of redemption, must always provide God to people who are in need. I'm not ashamed when other people are hurting. Not Pastor Reginald. I once was. Yes, why would you do something like that? Why would you do something so stupid? What made you behave like that? But now, I'm trying to get people to Jesus. Because when you get people to Jesus, he'll turn your life around. When you get people to Jesus, he'll change the way you talk. He'll change the way you walk. He'll change the way you think. But if we can just get people to Jesus, because he still loves us in regards to what we've done. Yes, I can open the church up every Sunday morning, and I can be the first person to show up at Bethany Baptist Church, Andalusia. And yet I can open the church every morning, and there's someone who's been out in the streets drinking drunk, and the life of the party all their life, and they can walk in for the first time. And God loves me no more than he loves that person, because his love is fixed, and he's waiting. Where are you? Where are you? You cannot hide from your help. If you hide from your help, you can't quote the scripture. God is my refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. You cannot hide from your help. If God be for us, who can be against us? You cannot hide from your help. I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I can't hide from my help. I've got to come to my help because there's no one that can deliver me but Jesus. What can wash away my sin? 
Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What could make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. St. Augustine, Bishop of Hippo. This is what he says. He says, oh Lord, you have made us for yourself. And our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. We're searching for something. And we don't know it, but it's really God. It's not another woman that you need. It's Mary's baby. It's not crystal meth that you need. You need the Messiah. It's not crack cocaine, but it is the Christ. It is God who fills all of our needs. And once we come to God and fully submit ourselves to God, then we can sing, I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'm satisfied with Jesus. So God calls, and then they want to pass the blank. The woman that you gave me, verse 12, she gave me the fruit and I did eat. Woman, what have you done? Verse 13, it is the serpent who gave me the fruit and I did eat. Well, I do want to let us know something. Two things about God, I'll tell them. And that's not everything about God. Number one, God is omniscient. Which means that God is all-knowing. He knows everything before there is anything to be known. It is God who speaks before anything ever takes place. It is God who can speak prophetically. It is God who can tell us what we're going to do before we do it. It is God who takes Jeremiah and says, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came out of the womb, I had already sanctified you and ordained your prophet unto the nations. Nobody can do that. Except God, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. And God is saying that long before Jesus is on planet earth as the baby Jesus, he already knows. So he's omniscient. There's nothing you can keep from God. Next thing is God is omnipotent, which just simply means uh, he's all powerful. And then God is omnipresent. The omnipresence of God really means that there's no place that you can go where God is not. It is God who can be present and absent simultaneously. It is Job in Job 23 and 3 who says, if I could just find God, if I could come to God, that I may come even unto his seat. Job is looking for God. He wants to have a conversation with God, but he can't find God. It's David in Psalm 139. If I ascend into the heavens, you're right there. Behold, if I make my bed in hell... You're right there. What do you do when you can't get away from God and you can't find him at the same time? It is God who is simply everywhere. And he knows what has already transpired. Mm. What peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not care. Not some things, but everything to God in prayer. Well, I've got to get out of here now. But it is verse 15. After everything has transpired and now uh, God's creation now has been jeopardized. Land, sea, dominion. And God has been challenged. God clocked back in because God clocked out. In chapter 2, verse 3, after he finished everything, God punched the clock and said, all right, that's it. This is the Sabbath. And now in chapter 3, verse 7, when he's walking through the cool of the garden, God clocked back in. And God says, now let me start with recreation. I'm not going to leave you in the state that you're in. I've got to deliver you. And verse 21, he will make them coastal skin, but that is temporary. 
But he gives us the first Bible prophecy in 3.15. I will put enmity between the woman and thee, between her seed and your seed. He shall crush your head and you shall bruise his heel. God is really saying that there's someone else who's going to come. Yes, I'm looking for you. I am seeking you. But when I really think about this text, it is tragic. But there could have been a greater tragedy in Genesis chapter 3. I know it's tragic that Eve and Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's tragic that they sold fig leaves together to hide and cover themselves. It is tragic that they hid from God. All of that is tragic. But the greater tragedy would have been had God hid himself from Adam and Eve. Had he hid himself from Adam and Eve, they would not have received coats of skins. Had he hid himself from Adam and Eve, there would have been no possibility of redemption. But I'm so glad that he didn't hide himself from Adam and Eve. As a matter of fact, God did just the opposite. As time went on, sin increased in the world. But God decided that I'm going to remove from voice, I'm going to move from voice remote. And I'm going to personally show up on planet Earth. And Jesus came down through 40 and two generations that we might see God for ourselves. And uh, he was born in Bethlehem, laid in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Walked the dusty roads of Galilee for 33 long years. And I can hear him saying that I came to seek and save that which was lost. And I want to say to all of us this morning that the Lord is still searching. He's searching for anyone who's willing to repent. So much so that he loved us enough to go up on a skull-shaped hill called Calvary. And when he got up on that skull-shaped hill called Calvary, He gave his hands to the nails, and he gave his feet to the rivet. He gave his side to the spear, and he gave his back to the splinters. He gave his brow to the thorns. He gave his mother to John, and he gave his spirit to his father, and he gave up the ghost. He died one Friday on that hill called Calvary. They took him down off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. And I'm so glad he didn't stay there, but he stayed there all night Friday night. And he stayed there all day Saturday. And he stayed there all night Saturday night. But early Sunday morning, I said early Sunday morning, God raised him up with all power in his hands. Is there anybody in here today who knows that Jesus lives? Is there anybody in here today who knows that he is a redeemer? Is there anybody in here who loves the Lord, but he ascended back into the heavens, and he was seated at the right hand of the Father? But that's not how the story ends. One of these old days, he's coming back again. I said he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus, no one else but Jesus, no one else but Jesus Christ, he is Lord. And before I take my seat, I just want to say like Jude, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling 
and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, the glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. How many people know that he saves? Do you know that Jesus saves? Did he save your soul? Can you give him glory in this house today? Can you celebrate his goodness today? Is there anybody in here who can say hallelujah? Is there anybody in here when you were sick in your body, the Lord healed you? Is there anybody in here today when your life was all messed up, that the Lord gave you peace that passes all understanding? Is there anybody in here today who's willing to celebrate the goodness of God? I know he's been good. I know he's been good. I know he's been good. Oh, hallelujah. God is so good. We thank you, O oh God, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Amazing, amazing grace shall always be our song of praise. For it was grace that brought our liberty. I do not know just why you came to love us so. You looked beyond our faults and you saw our need. As I pray today, Lord, I pray that someone has been liberated today. Someone who's carrying a sin and the devil will not allow them to forget it or receive your free pardon. I pray today, Lord, for someone who feels that they've done something that was so bad that your grace will not cover it. Lord, I pray that they will realize that your grace is sufficient and your strength is made perfect in weakness. I pray, Lord, for someone who needs to receive you as their Savior or rededicate themselves to you. I pray, Lord, that they will stand up with holy boldness today and come before a mighty God. For we know that you are God who is able to transform. I pray for forgiveness in this house today because we know that forgiveness comes through you, God. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I pray right now, Lord, that someone is set free by the power of the Holy Spirit and the goodness and mercy of God, which endureth unto all generations. And I want to thank you now for Holy Ghost power. I want to thank you now for your church, Bethany Baptist Church Andalusia. I want to thank you for the people who are here, Lord. And I want to thank you for their ministry. And then I want to thank you for their humility. Move now, Lord, as only you can. There's no shame, no embarrassment. We are in the emergency room of God right now. And all of us stand in need of something. Nothing in our hands we bring. Simply to the cross we cling. Thank you, O oh God, for hearing this prayer. Your servant's prayer. In the powerful name.